I'm, I'm so stoked to, to be right here with you in this moment and uh, excited to dive into 2020 together. Um, I, I've long anticipated this year in January, or excuse me, in 2012, my wife and I moved to Jacksonville, for those of you that don't know, and we, we moved here with the intention to launch Fathom Church in September of that year, and we ended up having the opportunity to take on this property, and so that got pushed back. Um, so we took on, on, on this property and renovated it for about six months before we launched officially in January of 2013. So later this month, we'll celebrate our seventh year uh, as, a, as, a, as a worshiping community, making the impact uh, here in the city. And so thankful for what God's done. But when you move to a city and you don't know anybody as a church planner, uh, your life looks a little different um, because you don't have friends and because you, uh, like my job is to lead and encourage people and to build the body of Christ and there was no body. It was just just me and my family and we were just meeting uh, random people. And so you have a little bit more time on your hands. So I was doing what people do when you have a little more time on your hands. And I was watching Netflix and I was watching this documentary on Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. And I've told this story in very small portions, but never uh, corporately like this. Uh, at the end of 2012, I, I saw a documentary from, on Jeff Bezos on Amazon, and he was talking about their business model and how they approach uh, business, that traditional business models, the majority of them have uh, an ROI, a return on investment plan for one to two years. Within a year or two, they want to see a return on the investment. The money they've spent, the time they've invested in products and things, they want to see that money come back to them. They can't afford to keep it too long. Um, but, but Amazon had a different approach. They said that they weren't looking for an ROI for about seven years. And, I, I, and so they were just going to give their products away. The Kindles that you get are at cost. They don't make any money off the Kindle. They, they're trying to build you as a customer long term. And, and when he spoke that, as a church planner, you're just hanging on every word, like everything's super spiritual. And, and at that time, um, that was so deeply spiritual for me. Um, it was almost prophetic to me at the time. And everything that God was doing in our pre-launch phase said the opposite, that, that we were about to see a very quick uh, return on investment in what our, we were giving our lives to to plant this church um, but because we, we were given property. I mean, what church starts with a, a building? Like, no, no church gets to do that. And we saw a team rapidly growing, and we had a great launch day and, and, and good early seasons of the church. And so everything was saying the opposite, but God had just settled in my heart that over the course of seven years, we would see a, a deep return, that what God was building was not small and would not be fast and a flash in the bucket, but was, was deep and long-term for the kingdom work he wanted to do uh, over the long haul. And so this year, this month has, for over seven years, been a, a pivot moment for me, that, that God is going to release something in 2020, that God is going to do a fresh work um, that we had yet to experience. God's been doing fresh works every year, but I'll be honest and tell you, I don't know if I call this a shortcoming or a, a failure, but I, I, was, I was wrong because at the beginning of last year, you kind of, pastor, you want to give the people vision. And so I had one word that God had laid in my heart and it was the word flourish. Some of you will remember this. I was, I was really about that word flourish and like God's going to bring us into a season of flourishing. And, and I'll tell you, my year looked more like pruning than it did flourishing. And as I've talked to you, many of you say the same thing. Like, Pastor, you were way off, or maybe I was just a year ahead of the game. We'll, we'll go with that. That sounds more positive. 
Um, but this, God, God has settled in, in my heart that, that this year God's going to do some things. And so I, I want to talk to us about some pivotal prayers that I have for you in 2020. Um, and, and the word pivot is, is a cool word um, I learned about in basketball, in which we're going to talk about. And some of you roll your eyes when I talk about sports, because you know I love sports, so I talk about sports. Um, but uh, the word pivot has been really popularized through memes and viral videos from the show Friends. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, so for those of you that, that don't know, just just in, that's such a good one. Uh, so funny. Uh, but so many times I felt like Ross. Like, you said there was elevator. Yes, I said there was an elevator. <laughs> yes, I had a sketch. And it doesn't always work out like that. I learned about the word pivot when I played basketball growing up. And I, I looked up the word pivot and what it means is a central point. And it really means that when I learned this in basketball, you'd have a foot, and it's your pivot foot, that you can turn in circles, and you can focus on any direction, and you can be in what's called the triple threat position. Any basketball players know what I'm talking about? Yes, a few of you. Thank you. And so that means you can dribble, I can pass, or I can shoot from the triple threat position as I'm moving my pivot foot. I can look in different directions. Um, and, and what I believe for many of us is some of us feel stuck, like that couch feels stuck. And I believe that this year, as long as we keep the central point, and the central point is Jesus. And I think if I could just sum up the central point, it's to know him better and to make him known. This is the central point in which I believe we're called to gather around, to know him better and to make him known. And, and I think God's calling each one of us to, to make a pivot in our lives. And some of those pivots are just incremental. And some of those pivots are major. It, it, it's a 180 pivot. Some of us, it's just little pivots. But it's going to position us to, to, to step into what God has called us to do in 2020. So, yeah. I, I was going to throw that at you, but you looked way too relaxed. In, <laughs> and I, knowing you, you, you know, I, I just, you know. So I chose wisely there. So I want to I read uh, from a passage of scripture, five verses at the beginning of Ephesians 1. I'm going to be brief um, as we just walk through these. And out of these five verses, I believe Paul shares seven prayers for his people at the church of Ephesus. At least I'm going to see him as seven prayers. He kind of says it all in one kind of breath. I'm going, to, I'm going to break it down a little bit for us. But let's read here in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, say this with me, you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Seven prayers out of these five verses that, that, that's in my heart for you and I believe Paul had for his church. And, and it re really begins at the top. And he's, he's saying, ever since I heard about your faith, and your love for God's people, those are really the first two prayers for me. My, my, my prayer for you is that you would be known for your faith in Jesus. That you would be known for your faith in Jesus. Just think about this in Paul's time. 
right? I, from time to time, I have someone who will come up to me, or maybe I haven't seen in a while, and maybe they're out of the city, and they're like, oh, it looks like things are great. You know, God's blessing. Things are amazing, and I may be in like the worst season of my life, but it looks like on Facebook or Instagram that everything's amazing, and they're just kind of, they're hearing about it from a distance or seeing it from a distance, but they don't really know. Anybody have that? Like, it looks like things are going well. Like, of course it does, because I'm not going to tell you all the terrible stories that are going on in my life. You know, and, and you think about this time for Paul to hear he's, you know, in prison and he's in different parts of um, the, the, the nations spreading the gospel on missionary travels. And he's heard about this church that he plants that he's heard about their faith and what God's done in their life. And, and the, the statistics are, are very, you know, gruesome that, that for many believers, they, they don't walk in faith. And people don't know them for their faith. I mean, people that you work with, people that are in your family don't even know about your relationship with God. They don't even know what God's done in your life. And and the majority of Christians, I think the average for for a Christian over their entire lifetime is is that they'll lead one person or less than one person, the statistics, it's like less than one, it's like less than one person in their entire life to the Lord. That's an entire nation, entire generation of people who are not known for their faith because they, they don't even know that for themselves and they're not living boldly in who God has called you. So that's a prayer for, for you that I have is that you would be known for your faith. You'd do something in the course of these 365 days that would cause somebody to stop. And I think this month you can do it. Like you can grab a bag and be like, man, they're going to pray over my homelessness and my meal and they're going to pray over these things and meet a tangible need and like immediately someone, you can, you can accomplish this this year, <laughs> like in the month. I believe that you can, but we got to be bold enough to step out in faith, whatever God's leading you into, and that we would be known, that you would be known for your love for the body of Christ, for all God's people. That's what he says. This is deeply planted in the life of who we are as a church. Fathom church means to understand church and Part of why we planted Fathom is because we understood that there's a lot of people around our country who they want to have a relationship with God, but those church folks, nah, I'm good. I'd rather not. I've done that before, got the t-shirt, and I don't wish to go back again. But when we do that, we take the head without, and we remove it from the body. We take the groom, but we refuse the bride. And I'll just tell you, they come together. If you want to love what Jesus loves, love his church. And that's hard for some of us. In fact, God, in times in my life, has sent me to the belly of the beast to love religious folks, to love people who, who just are like gnashing at the teeth with religiosity and lack of relationship and authenticity with the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So God sent me in the belly of the beast and, and to love those. And, and, and I believe a pivot that God is doing in 2020 for Fathom Church. For, for years, we've been influenced by great ministries around the city and around the nation. But I believe that God is going to use us as a pivotal congregation to unify the body of Christ in Jacksonville. I'm not saying we're going to do it all. We're going to unify everybody. I think that's just pie in the sky. But, but I've seen it already. Like in the past four years, we've seen three international churches be planted in this house, in this very, in this very room. There's a Brazilian church that, that meets this evening uh, that this church was planted several years ago. And there's a need for Portuguese-speaking communities. They need a bigger space, more than we need a bigger space. God is blessing because there's so few Portuguese-speaking communities in our city. And so God's using us. God's used us at the back-to-school bash when we saw 
churches coming together to serve uh, a Title I school in our community. What a blessing to be a part of that. I believe in 2020, our marriage conference, our freedom conference, some other ministry things that we're doing together, God's going to use us as a uniting force to see the king. This is a way in which we can show love for God's people, that it's not a competition, that we as Fathom Church, we're kingdom people. That, we, that we'll give it away, and we don't care whose church you get into. We just want you to be in a good Bible-believing church and be on fire for the Lord. Like, we don't care. Like, it's about the kingdom, and so that's the second prayer for, for you that I have. Uh, the second one, Paul's not really praying for them. He's actually telling them about his prayer life, and he says, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you. And, and before I talk about prayer and, and my prayer for you to be an intercessor, I just want to stop and say, I'm so thankful for you. I this morning, long before the sun came up, I was in this room, and, and I, I couldn't stop but just thanking God for you, um, for your sacrifice, for your service to the kingdom of God, for your generosity, for your love for one another, your love for my family. I, I was just in here alone, just in the dark. The lights, the computer was updating or something, and I couldn't get lights on. I was just walking around in the dark, just thanking God for you, and I'm so thankful for you and thankful for how God is using you. But the third prayer I, I believe that I have for you is that you'd become an intercessor. I'd been a Christian for a long time before I understood intercession. I knew what it was, but I, I wasn't it. Intercession is to pray on the behalf of others. You know, it's when my kids, when we pray, we're trying to steward and teach them how to pray. And oftentimes, it's very quick, thank you, God, for a... Elisha, my three-year-old, she says, uh, she would thank you, God, for this wonderful day. And it's so precious. That's how she starts every prayer. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day. It doesn't matter if she just got in trouble a minute ago. That's how she starts her prayer. Um, but then it usually goes into asking God for all these things. And intercession is really pausing from, from gratitude, which is important, thanksgiving in our prayers, pausing from petition and asking God to move on our behalf or to change things. And it's to just pray on behalf of other people. That I'm going to pray over my spouse. I'm going to pray over my church. I'm going to pray over that person that, that's going through a difficult time at church and, um, or, or at work. And, and this is such a game changer in your heart. If you find yourself very inwardly focused and self-focused, which all of us get there from time to time or on a regular basis, this is such a pivotal thing that begins to shape your heart, that you think of yourself less in prayer. And so I would challenge you over these 21 days to become an intercessor is part of my seven prayers for you in 2020 here on the seventh year of ministry together. The fourth prayer that Paul says, and it really sets up the big prayer, which is to know him better. He, he prays that, that, that his people, the people of Ephesus, um, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. And these things precede knowing him better. The spirit of wisdom is different from like a knowledge base, which I find many people have knowledge. They know what to do, but they don't know how to apply them. Like everyone basically knows the basic principles when it comes to finances, don't spend more than what you make, to, you know, losing weight, you know, uh, eat less calories than what you take in. We, we know the basics, but it's the wisdom to carry those out, and so we need each other. And the same is true when it comes to our walk with the Lord. We need the spirit of wisdom that I don't just know the truth, but I'm actually practicing the truth of what it looks like to live a godly life. And Paul says that he's praying that God would give it to them. But what I know about God's gifts is that we've got to receive them. 
And so my prayer for you is just that you'd posture yourself in a way to receive the spirit of wisdom. And, and, and you'd posture yourself in a, in a way to receive the gift of revelation. And you may need one of these more than the other right now. Maybe, I would imagine we all need them both pretty well. But the, the gift of uh, the spirit of revelation, this word really means to be laid bare. It's kind of how they talk about, I found somebody naked in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, laid bare. <laughs> they, were, they were naked. That's what this, this word uh, means. And sometimes it'll get translated as manifestation. And that's a word that'll freak some people out, manifestation. Like, what does that mean? There's a manifestation. And this, this spirit of manifestation, that things would be laid bare, that it would be so clear to us. It would be so clear. I wouldn't have to guess, is this God or not? I wouldn't have to guess, but as I you know, walk in and I'm, be, and I'm known for my faith and love for God's people and, and I'm becoming an intercessor, I would also be, receive this gift, the spirit of wisdom, the, the spirit of revelation that I don't have to second guess my decisions. I don't have to second guess my walk with God. I have seen plainly and clearly he showed up for me. He showed up for me. And it's a game changer. It moves someone from a religious relationship with God to a deep individual personal relationship with God when there's a manifestation, when there's a revelation that my eyes are open and that's what he begins to pray here in just a moment. He prays that they would know him better, know who, know God better. I've been sharing this this study uh, over and over again because I think it's powerful and I think it helps us teach a lot of things very practically about our relationships. Because let, let, me, let me do this. I want to ask you just a very honest question. I don't usually make you raise your hand on things that I feel like may be personal. But how many of you here were like, hey, I need to kind of grow in some relation. I need some new relationships in my life. I'm, I'm not saying you're lonely, but like, hey, I, I just need some friends. I need, I need to be connected with the body. I need to be connected. Yeah, there, there's people in here. Okay, okay. Hey, good to know you're not alone right? That's a part of, of, of life. But I, I read this study that said that for a person to become a casual friend in your life, you need to spend about five hour, 50 hours of quality, quasi-quality time is what I would call it. So sitting down at a meeting with someone, sitting in a small group with someone for almost a year, every single week, missing two weeks, to become a casual friend. This is what the study said. To, to become what you would actually consider a, an actual friend. Not, not eh, they're kind of an acquaintance, kind of casual friend. But someone, yeah, I call that person my friend. 90 hours, almost double. So two years of one hour a week, relatively speaking. Two hours, one hour a week to build a, kind of a real friend. Like someone I could call on. To build a good friend, 200 hours. Double that. To move from friend zone to they're a really good friend. 200 hours. We've been through it. Four years of being in a small group with someone for a year, like for every week, once a week. That's how I look at it. Or sitting down one-on-one, having a a meal with this person once a week for four years to become a close friend. And I know all across this room, and some of us be like, yeah, I, I didn't raise my hand, but that would probably be me too. I really do want to grow in my relationships. But are we willing to do what it takes to build those relationships? And I'd like to turn our attention away from our relationships with one another to our relationship with God. Do you want to know him better? Is he a casual friend? Are you in the friend zone with God? Or are we close? Is there an intimacy about your relationship? And it comes through time. And so if you're new in your walk with God and it feels like, man, some people are just on fire and they're loving this fasting thing. And like, I'm not into it. And like, it's new for me. And I just don't know what to do. Like, hey, 
just, just be willing to take a step forward and like reach out and set aside some time. And God, I want to spend some time with you so that I can know you better. And he says that happens through receiving a gift of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and the, and the, the spirit of revelation. And this is the pivot point for us that we would all desire. This is the central point is that we would know him better and make him known. Like, if you're looking for something more elaborate than that, like, that, that's what the central point of this year is for me, is that we would desire to know him better and grow in that and to make him known. And I just wonder what pivots need to happen in our life, in our schedules, in our finances, in order to know him better. <laughs> Over the next 21 days in our meal prep, like, I'm going to be meal prepping all afternoon. Some of you are like, yeah, me too. I mean, meal prepping, grocery shopping, figuring this thing out, recipe searching, so I'm not suffering all through this. And my attention's not on food, but it's on the Lord, because I want us to know him better. And that's Paul's desire for the church in Ephesus. I believe it's God's desire. He's not hiding from us. He wants to know us better. He knows us, but he wants to be in communion with us. The, the sixth thing that I, I think he says in just these final two prayers, and the band's going to come, and, and I'm going to close here. Um, he, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called. There's, there's so much here. I've just been meditating on the scripture that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Because we don't know what we don't know. You know? For, for some of you that um, maybe had vision problems as a child, and you sat in that front row in kindergarten or first grade, and you just could, <laughs> couldn't see the board, and you thought that was normal. You thought everybody saw a little bit blurry. And, or maybe you were colorblind, and you didn't figure that out <laughs> until... You were in third grade or something. That was always what it looked like. Maybe you grew up in a really dark home. A home in which hope was kind of adjacent. It seemed elusive because of a lack of finances or a lack of spiritual leadership or a love that was lacking in your home. Or maybe you didn't have a home. Maybe you were all over the place and it just kind of created a darkened sense to your heart. I, like Paul, pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened because I want you to have hope. There are far too many Christians, like blood-bought people who love Jesus and are trying to follow Jesus, who their eyes are darkened a little bit. They lack hope for the future. They're kind of depressed and worried about the things to come and just wish God would just hurry up already and they can't live in the moment and they're not living hope for today because it's not just a hope that we've been called to on the other side, there's a hope today for us. There's deep hope today. today. And so if you come in hopeless, my prayer, my sixth prayer, is that you would, your eye, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened today, in this season, in this year. And the final thing is that you would walk in his great power. Paul says he so desperately wants you to know your inheritance and his incomparably great power for us. It's tough being a, a dad of uh, young boys who they want to do everything themselves. And, and I, I, I know I have a responsibility to let them figure some things out. But it's also super frustrating at times when I'm like, bro, 
you don't have to do it yourself. They, they want, they want to push people away. They want to figure it out on their own. And we're really the same way. No, no, I got this problem. No, I got this business plan. I'm not going to pray about this business plan. No, 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 I got my budget. I'm not going to pray about my budget. No, no, I've, I've got this decision. I'm not going to pray about it. We're resting in our own power and our own wisdom and our own knowledge. We've not submitted anything to the Lord. And we're just not going to see all that he has for us. We're not going to see all that he has called us to unless we rest in his great power. So maybe there's some things as we look through these seven prayers and just leave them up for a few moments. Actually, just keep them up. Because in just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just guessing for each of us, maybe it's not all of these. I hope you can rally around number five with me, all of us. Maybe there's one or two of these that you would underline, that you write in your phone or in your journal today, in the front of your Bible, and just say, I need an incremental pivot here. Or I need a major pivot here. I want to I know, be known for my love. I want to be known for faith. I want to be known for hope. I want to know him better. I don't know what that pivot looks like for you in your life, but I'm praying it for you. I believe these are pivotal prayers for your life and for my life and our corporate life together. And I want to close in prayer. I want to pray over you. If you'll stand with me. You know, some of you... Um, Maybe you grew up in different environments. Maybe you never grew up in church and you see people lift hands and worship. Like, that's weird. I'm not into that. Like, I'm, I know I got BO problems. I'm worried about raising my hand or something like that. Um, we keep it real here. If you're new, you just keep it 100. But um, maybe you've seen people take different postures. And like, I just wanted to explain a couple of these because I'm going to ask you to do one of those if you'd like to be prayed over for just, uh, in just a moment. One of those, those postures that we see throughout the scriptures and we see the body of Christ um, uh, displaying, which is one, it's just face first on the ground. And it's just kind of, for me, that posture communicates something. It communicates just a deep, deep reverence and honor of God that like I'm, one, I'm just flat on my face for you, God. Like I have nothing to offer. I'm here because you're worthy and, and I, I lower myself at your feet. Uh, we see this one a lot. Some of you guys know about the Christian comedian Tim Hawkins. He does a funny thing. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. He does like a funny thing on all the hand postures and he, he makes jokes out of it. Like this is, the, this is the field goal post or something like that. You know, like this, yeah. Um, and then there's different postures for things. But, but this one is just traditionally kind of just a sign of surrender. Like I'm, I'm not in charge anymore. Like I just surrender. It's also one of just praise God. I, I magnify you. I, you're worthy above everything. I'd lift you above everything else in my life right now. And then I think the final one that I want to draw us to that I'll, I'll turn our attention to, just one like this, just kind of open hands, open palms. And it's just, God, I'm listening. I want to receive what you're speaking to me. My palms are, I'm not clenched fists. I'm just open, God. What are you speaking? What are you doing in my heart right now? I'm open to what you want to do. Particularly when someone's going to pray for you, going to intercede for you, I think it's appropriate that we just kind of open ourselves to. And if you don't agree with me about my prayer, then just deny it in the name of Jesus. Chew up the meat and spit out the bones. But if you can agree with this prayer, then just I, I just pray for that you close your eyes, you bow your heads in this moment. Span's going to lead us in a few moments in worship, but I want to pray over you. I want to pray out of these seven prayers over 2020 for you today. God, I thank you right now for this body. I thank you for each one of these people. 
God, hands open, hands in the pocket. God, I'm praying for them today. And I pray that these seven prayers would be manifest in our presence, God, that, that we as a body, but they as an individual, God, would be known for their faith in Jesus, God. Above all else, God, people would come to know you through their faith. Not only that, but God, we would be a body that is known, that we love the body of Christ, that we as individuals are kingdom people, that we're not about building a kingdom of our own, but we are here to encourage the body of Christ and to be a unifier in the body of Christ. God, I pray today that that maybe we've got intercessors sprinkled throughout, but God, I pray over the next 12 months, maybe over the next 21 days, that some of us, we just on a mantle of intercession for this house. We take on a mantle of intercession for our homes and for our businesses. God, that if nobody else is praying over this business, over this office, I'm praying over it. We're interceders, God. We're intercessors. God, I pray today, God, that we as a body would just receive uh, the, the gift. God, we'd receive the spirit of wisdom that we wouldn't just people who know the truth, but we live it out. We'd be people who, who don't have to second guess and question, but we're people of faith because we've had a revelation. God, we've received a gift of revelation, manifestation. We've seen you move. We know who you are. God, it is laid plain to us. That's our prayer. God, I pray today, God, that we as a body, me individually, as the lead shepherd here, God, would know you better at the end of this year than I've ever known you before. God, may we all humbly come with arms bent before you, palms raised, God, just saying we want to know you better. God, speak. Your servants are listening, God. And today, with some people that walked in here with eyes darkened, would they be enlightened and they would know the hope they're called to? They are not what people called them when they are a child. They are not what their childhood looked like or what their last mistake or failure was, but they are who you say they are, God. There is hope today to what we are called to. God, and finally, God, that, that we as a people would not believe in a dead God. We wouldn't believe in a religious kind of system, but God, we'd be people who walk in your power that we know, God, that you can move mountains when we place our faith and trust. As small as a mustard seed, you said, God, so we plant it in the ground. And as we walk out this place, God, as we talk to people, as we pass out, you know, uh, li little gifts, God, to, to those that in the, are in the streets hurting, God, that we would pray with power and with authority, knowing that you can move when we lower ourselves and trust you to move. So, God, we submit our lives. We submit our dreams and our vision. We, we just come today saying we want to know you better, God. So would you speak? Would you help us to receive this truth and walk it out in 2020? In Jesus' holy name. Come on, church. Let's worship today and let's enter into his presence.